Uh, we're about to read from uh, one of my favorite books in the Bible, uh, Jesus' brother, James. And so let's share it in God's good word together. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later, they have no idea who they are, what they look like. Anyone who sets himself up as religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Real religion, the kind that passes muster before God the Father, is this. Reach out to the homeless and the loveless in their plight and guard against corruption from the godless world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Gratitude. There's real power in it. Now, the folks on camera may have been thinking that they were thanking you, but of course, we're not really thanking ourselves. That's kind of gross. Just like, hey, thanks. Yeah, good for me. We're thanking God, aren't we? We're thanking God for all the things that God has done. And sometimes that's in and through one another, and that's a good thing. Other times, it's just God's gifts straight upon us. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about being grateful and the transformative power of giving thanks. Being grateful. It's a, it's a super powerful thing, but it's often misunderstood. So I want to make sure that as we get going today, that we know what we mean when we say grateful, when we say gratitude, and what we don't mean. And so the first thing is, if you have your sermon notes, I invite you to take those out. It's about our hearts. God looks at our heart. That's been the case from uh, the very beginning of time. God looks at our hearts. Uh, God knows our words, of, of course, but what God's wanting to see is congruence, that our hearts and our words and our lives match. It's not that we say one thing and do another. Jesus is very clear about how upsetting that is to him. I'm calling folks that do that hypocrites. That's not who we are to be. And, and so this thing about being grateful and, and showing thanks is a part of every major religious tradition, and, and ours is no different. Um, and the thing about being grateful and giving thanks is that it's good for us. Research shows that grateful people are happier and live longer. Say that with me. Research shows that grateful people are happier and live longer. That's a good thing, right? And so when we give thanks, it actually makes us happy. When, when we do nice things for other people and acts of gratitude or we write thank you notes, it makes us happier. And we actually live longer. And so in, in this study, we're, we're, we're looking and, and they ask this question of Americans. And it says, how often do you feel a strong sense of gratitude or thankfulness? Why don't you think about that? Just in your own, in your own life. Would you say that that's at least once a week in your life? Or once or twice a month? Or several times a year? Or seldom or never? I was kind of surprised to find out that 78% of Americans uh, polled responded by they said that they felt strongly thankful in the last week. 
Every week, they felt really strongly faithful. 78%, I mean, that's a big number. Like, almost 8 out of 10 folks, if you ask them, when have you felt this really strong sense of gratitude? They're like, oh, yeah, this week I just was so, so grateful. And I thought, hmm, that seems mighty high to me. Or maybe I don't do this right. Uh, Diana Butler Blass, in her book, Grateful, she writes that she felt like she was flunking gratitude. Have you ever felt like that? The preacher gets up and says, you need to be grateful. And we're like, yeah, I should. But I don't. It's rainy. My team's lost. I'm just going to go have a good pout. Right? But we're supposed to be grateful. And here's the thing that she found. And, and those of you who actually do research, you know this. It's called a social desirably bias. Did you know that not everybody tells the truth? Do you know that about us? You see, we answer questions in ways that make us look good, don't we? Or that matches who we aspire to be. And so if we know that being grateful makes us live longer, makes us happier, all this good stuff, and we're supposed to be grateful, we know grandma's always told us, write your thank you notes. Then when they were asked, did you feel grateful? We're like, well, sure I did, because I'm supposed to. But that's not always true, is it? Is that that true for you? Do you always feel grateful all the time for all the great things that God has given you? You see, there's a gap, isn't there? There's a gap between what we believe and what we practice. And that's really what this series is about. It's about closing that gap between what we believe and what we know and what we do. And, and that's important in your life because the more congruent you are, the happier you are, the more fulfilled, the longer you'll live. And, and the more um, dis-ease in your life, um, the shorter your life, uh, the worse it is for us. And so as, if we're going to talk about this, and we, we kind of have to know what we're talking about. What is gratitude? Well, I, I think there's at least two. There's, there's lots of kinds of gratitude. We talk about gratitude a lot, but there's at least two kinds. And the first, of course, involves me, right? Uh, where we give thanks for family, friends, neighbors. Um, and th- this is good. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, this is sort of that first step in, in thankfulness or gratitude. We might call it good manners, um, something that is lacking in our culture today. Um, we, we need good manners. And so uh, let me ask you this question. How are you at writing thank you notes? When's the last time you wrote a thank you note? I was asking people this week, and, and some people are like, uh, high school graduation? Uh, you, know, when, you know, when my mom made me, when she was like, did you write them yet? Have you, have you? I know some of you are thinking, oh, I still need to write that thank you note from that college gift 40 years ago you know, for this thing. I've never done that. But I mean to. I'm going to. And one of the things that's interesting uh, to me in my life is that the more thank you notes I write, the happier I am. The actual, I mean, I don't want to do it on the front end, um, but when I actually do it, it feels like you never have the time. But if you, when you do it, and I write, and some of you have gotten thank you notes from me, so, so you know this. You can't read them, but I write them. And, <clears throat> yeah, the, you're, the people laughing, the ones who have actually received a note from me. Um, and, and the thing is, what I found in the last 10 years, even finding stationery is getting harder. Even finding something with your initials on it. I mean, it used to be uh, 20 years ago, I'd go to a stationery store and there's every letter in the alphabet and you know, I could go and, and get an F for Foster and I was down the road. Um, it's, it's getting harder and harder just to write a thank you note as if it wasn't hard enough to begin with. How are you at that? And there's real power in that. Uh, real power in that. Um, and I learned that um, sort of uh, I w- my hand was forced between my junior and senior year. Uh, I had a fellowship in New York City, uh, and they paid you just enough to live. 
Um, and so in New York, you might know that's sort of an expensive place. And so they would give you a tiny stipend, which would force your hand to have to network with other people in your... Uh, we were in radio and television at the time. And so the idea was you were supposed to have at least a lunch, if not a breakfast, lunch, and dinner with somebody in the field. Uh, and then they would take you to lunch. And then it was incumbent upon you to write a thank you note same day and get it to them the next day. That's how it worked. That's how you ate through the summer. And so I would, I would go to work and uh, I'd go to my lunch and then I would get all the information. And I, would, I tried to pride myself to be the best thank you note writer ever. You know, actually use their name, tell them why it was, you appreciated it, what the gift was and how it might transform your life and your, and your gratefulness. My handwriting's so bad that, that I typed them all. I would go and I would put them on a typewriter and I would type them out and then I would do that. That was my ritual for the whole summer. Um, and it was a great summer, one of the best summers of my life. Um, and I, I'm still grateful for that experience and just the power um, that that yields. But I want you to know this. Your personal gratitude is small in comparison to communal gratitude. This is, this is where it really gets good. When we begin to live together as a community of gratitude, when we become a people of gratitude, when we become a people of thanks, and the more people that join that circle, that's where the world begins to change. I want you to dream with me for a little bit. What would it be like if everybody, this is our original building that we built back in 06, if everybody who's ever been through those doors were people of gratitude? That the book on us from now on, or I don't know everything about those Acts 2 people, but man, they are the most polite, thankful, kind, generous, grateful people I've ever met in my life. You think that changed some things around Edmund? I mean, imagine that. If all 617 of us, that's our average worship attendance these days, would, would just say, this is what it is to be a part of the Acts 2 community. We're going to be people who are grateful. Grateful every time we see each other. It doesn't really matter what's going on in the world. We're going to be grateful to God for one another and for what God's doing. Now, imagine further with me if, if the state of Oklahoma said, okay, we're going to be a state known for our gratitude. We're going to be a state of thankfulness. We're, we're going to recognize all the gifts that God has poured out upon our state and how great it is to live here. And I know, I'm, I'm stretching your minds now, but uh, what if, as a, as, a, as a country, we could be grateful for the people on the other side of the aisle? If we could bless and not curse. If we could give thanks for the freedoms. And many of you who have been out of the country or lived out of the country, you know how grateful and thankful you are when you've seen other ways that other governments do and don't work. But for many people who've never been outside the United States, it's sort of a hard thing to grasp. You have no idea of how wonderful it is and how much we have to give thanks for. Not just on the Thursday in November, but all year long. And, and I know, I know I'm really, I'm, I'm just losing my mind here. Um, but what if this North America actually joined other people around the world to be a planet of thanksgiving, a planet of gratitude, where we actually were thankful for our allies and our partners and people who fed the hungry and cared for uh, the poor and eradicated diseases that they might not come to this country and, and we would actually work together to bless the world. If, if you don't know, um, because we're not high church, we don't um, like roll this out, but this is World Communion Sunday today. Christians from all over the planet gather to give thanks. And if we were a high church, I would be in a robe, and we would do a full communion liturgy, and the liturgy would go like this. The Lord be with you, and you would say? Lift up your hearts. 
let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Uh, you've just joined more than two billion of your brothers and sisters around the world, reading that liturgy all around the world, all around the world. What you're about, our thanks and praise, is powerful and amazing. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You have made from one every nation and people to live on all the face of the earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. If you'll read it with me. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. All around the world. All around the world. Not just us, not our county, not our state, not our country. The whole world says this in thousands of languages. Because God is worthy to be praised and to give him thanks. So Jesus' brother James says it like this. Now, if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion's worthless. Religion that's pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We're to be different from the world. We really are. So it begs the question, well, certainly if you're talking about a me gratitude or a me life, how in the world do you care for orphans and widows and stay unstained by the world? You don't. Not by yourself. The short answer is not alone, isn't it? If, if we're really going to care, I mean, around here, we have safe sanctuaries policy. We're not even allowed to be with an orphan alone, right? We always, if, if somebody is um, under 18 uh, or they have uh, diminished mental capacity, we don't ever allow an adult to be with those people. We do it together. We do it together because that's how blessing happens. You do it together, not alone. And, and the thing is, um, in Christian history, there are cycles. And one of the cycles that we see over and over again is the cycle that we saw in the 1930s in Germany. Now, the people were well-versed in a theology of grace. We know about that. It was a good time. It was a prosperous time. Uh, the market was up, so to speak. And it, the idea was that all good things come from God. Is that true? Yeah, of course that's true. But somehow, this grace of God for all people had turned gratitude into a path of individual salvation and personal comfort. It was me and Jesus. I don't really care about anybody else. My salvation is my salvation. And this whole time, it allowed for deep social discontent and anger to fester in public life. Now, it's into that context in the 1930s that a young pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer noticed this gap between what people knew about God's grace and the way it was actually acted out into the world. And he accused his fellow Germans of embracing a diminished form of thankfulness. You might say uh, cheap grace. He did. Pastor Bonhoeffer began to preach about the importance of a costly faith. A costly faith that included a transforming practice of gratitude. Now, what did Bonhoeffer get for this great preaching? They threw him in prison for that and for resisting Hitler. Because Hitler was going down one road and Bonhoeffer's like, no, 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 that's not Christianity. And so they put him in jail. And it's from jail that he writes these words. In normal life, one is not all aware, not at all aware, that always, we always receive infinitely more than we give. We, we could spend a couple weeks just thinking on that line. All of us, 
We're not at all aware. Now, notice, that, and he says that he didn't understand this until he was in prison. He didn't really come to this profound understanding until he was, had time, uninterrupted time in prison. And that gratitude is what enriches life, he writes. One easily overestimates the importance of one's own acts and deeds compared with what we become only through other people. Only through other people. I want you to think about any of, any of us who have been through public education. There's not a person in this room that could afford to build the buildings you were taught in, to buy the books that you used, to pay for the professors that taught you. There's not a person in this room that could afford the education you've been given as a gift. As a gift. Now, I know what you, some of you say. No, 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 I paid for my college. No, you paid for about 3% of your college cost. It's still expensive. It's still crazy expensive. But you didn't, you didn't build those buildings. You didn't put in the lab. You didn't get the equipment. None of us have the kind of wealth that would be required to get the educations that we received. None of us. And it sort of begs the question, doesn't it? Well, if we've been given so much, how much pro bono work do we do? I don't see much of that in the world anymore. It's sort of like, well, I made good grades and I paid my tuition bills, so it's mine. That's the way many people look at it. And by the way, when you get in that spot, how happy are you? Not very. Because somebody else always has a little more than you do. They got it easier. You know, they had this, they had that. You see, this whole thing is a matter of the heart. It really is. And so we have to ask ourselves, when you thank God, is it for results or relationship? When you pray, when you thank God, I know I'm making an assumption there that you actually do thank God, but, but if we do... Do we thank God? What are we thanking God for? Is it because of God's goodness? Is it because of God's holiness? Is it because of life itself? Or is it because there's something that we want and it went it our way? A job, a relationship, a child's test, whatever. You see, there's something within all of us, and I don't, I don't have to really tell you this because you know this, that um, we become people of if God, then I. Isn't that true? God, if you will, if God, then I. And it's always been this way, which is a part of our human condition. I don't like it, but it is the truth. Now, the very first, um, in, in, in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis, uh, we find something called the tithe. That's 10% uh, of what we are receiving. We give back to God as a way of remembering God, of him, him basically releasing our power to God and to say thank you to God. But I want you to hear uh, the second time it's mentioned in the Bible. It's a very strange prayer to me. Uh, Jacob... Uh, which means to grab the heel. He's a twin. He's got a brother, uh, Esau, which means Harry. Harry was the big hunter guy, and Jacob was not. Um, and, but Jacob was really smart, and he had tricked his brother out of his birthright. Um, and we're in the part of the story now where Jacob pretty soon thinks that Esau's going to kill him. You know, Maybe you're wondering about how this Thanksgiving is going to go in your family. Jacob was certainly wondering. Right? So Jacob made a vow to God saying, if, and what's the key word there? If, right, yeah, that's how we are. God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear. Read this part with me. So that I come again to my father's house in peace. Meaning my brother's not going to kill me. So if you keep me alive and you give me stuff, then the Lord shall be my God. Wow, that's a deal. I mean, if you're God, you're really feeling the love there, right? And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And now you can read this with me. All that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. Isn't that how we are? 
If you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this, I'll give you a dime on a dollar. Yay, me. I'm a great guy. Now, what do you think about Jacob? By the way, Jacob is a self-portrait of, the, of God's people, Israel. Later, his name will be changed to Israel. Right? See, here's the thing, friends. Gratitude is not a transaction of debt and duty. It's not. That's politics. It's not gratitude. You see, required reciprocity is not at the heart of gratitude or thankfulness at all. Quid pro quo, literally translated from the Latin, is something for something. That's not what we're talking about. It's not gratitude. I do something for you so that you must do something for me. And if you've been in business very long, you know how that works. It's not gratitude. Now, before I'm too hard on Jacob... And I don't want you to feel like I'm beating on you. I'm preaching to myself here. Back this summer in August, um, Chantel's mom had a birthday. Uh, Chantel's a great daughter, great daughter, one of the best I've ever seen. She does all kinds of things for her mom. She'd do anything for her mom. And her mom's new husband had asked that um, they go on a, on a trip uh, because he's a pilot. And he wanted to fly in from Tulsa uh, in this little four-seater plane. Uh, to Guthrie, pick her up, fly up to Ponca City, um, have lunch, fly back to Guthrie, drop her off, and then go back to Tulsa. That's what her mom wanted for her birthday. Uh, Now, many of you all know that I have a terrible habit of catastrophizing. I was not thrilled about this plan at all. And Chantel said, well, maybe it'd go better if I took one of the boys. I was like, not all over your life. No, you're not taking any. I mean, this is on you. If you do it, this is your deal. You're not taking my children down with you. (laughs) And she's like, well, you could know I'm not going in that plane, not, not on your life. And so weeks in advance, I'm spun up about the dangers. And, you know, I study small aircrafts and the, no, no, you know, the lack of regulation around these things and the lack of air towers and small uh, airports and, 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 and. And if you're a pilot, I love you. I know it's great. It's a lot of fun. I'm not going. All right. And so I'm sitting at home and I know that she's supposed to have lunch. Um, on this Saturday, um, and some of you actually were with her that morning, and this comes across my feed. That at 11.52, and I know she's flying in for lunch at Ponca City, that a small passenger plane has crashed into a soybean field near Ponca City, uh, four people aboard, and uh, firefighters basically say, they're, you know, now I've been in... Um, news long enough to know they're they're not going to say another word until they've notified the family and i'm nervous so i i'm not gonna the both both the boys happen to be home because they were between uh you know being home and going back for school and uh so i call you know first thing you know well let's check she's probably having a good time at lunch i call go straight to voicemail that's not good and and then really for the first time in my life because uh, I like to think of myself as fairly even-keeled. I mean, my heart's out of my chest. And I'm, I'm just, I'm like, okay, how much insurance do we have? Um, you know, where are the boys in school? I mean, all, all the traps that you start to run about the love of your life. What would life be uh, before? And so I go to Noah's room. He's got some friends there. They're playing games. I say, I need you. I go down to John Mark's room. I say, I need you. We grab our hands, we hit our knees, and we start praying. Because we don't, we don't know the timing's too 
weird. And, of course, uh, the boys are smarter than I am, and they had figured out some timelines and some texts that they'd gotten from mom. And they said, well, text her because she can probably, if she's in the air, oh, they go, I know. Let's look at Life 360. Let's see how fast she's going. She's going like 500 miles an hour. Okay, she's alive. <laughs> right? So she sends me that because she's awesome. And that's her brother, Blake, there. Okay? Now, the reason I tell you this is that we all have this in us. And, and what I felt on the back end of this is not gratitude. We mistake it for gratitude. That's not gratitude. It's relief. Right? It's having the worst things in our life go away from us. And, and we, we think that that's gratitude. That's not the gratitude that God's talking about. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And, and I love that Chantel's with us today. I do. But that's not what we're talking about. And, and we're not to... I don't, I don't preach today because God saved her life. You, you see what I'm saying? And if we're not careful, we, we can get in these weird deals with God about because you did, then I will. That's not, that's not how it's supposed to work. It's actually supposed to be a relationship. The scripture says that God loves a what kind of giver? Cheerful giver, right? We live our lives in, in a grateful response to who God is at the most basic level, not because of what God can do for us. And Richard Foster asked this question over and over again, and it haunts me. It haunts me because he, said, he has the audacity to say that we're supposed to love God more for who he is than for what he can do for us. To which I want to say, but yeah, but do you know what God can do for us? Anything. And Richard Foster says, we still are to love God more for who God is than for what God can do for us. Do you? That's the basis of gratitude. A God who gave you life itself. Paul writes to the early church in Corinth, he says, the point is this, the one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you've made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, what kind of giver? Cheerful giver, one that has in relationship. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, the scripture goes on to say. So that, why, why does God bless us? Why? Why do you think? What does the scripture say? So that by always having enough of everything, notice that, not just enough, but enough of everything. Do you know that you have enough of everything? You do. As a child of God, you have enough of everything. Why? So that you may, say it with me, share. That's why. Everything you have is meant for you to share. It's not meant for you. It's meant for you and. It's always meant for you and. It's always meant for me and. It's to share. So that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. And every good work. So this gratitude and this work we do is together. And then, in case we missed it, God only gives us perfect gifts that will help others and us. And here's the trick. If we simply refuse and we just won't do it, then we ought not be surprised when God doesn't answer our prayers. Because James says... You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. In order to spend what you get on yourself, on your own pleasures. And so if you pray to God so that you can have this, so you can use it yourself, all about yourself, then God just may not answer that prayer. And we don't need to be upset with him about that. Because God's whole goal is that we love one another. Isn't that what Jesus says? This is a new commandment that I give you. To love one another. That's it. Carl Bart um, 
was a, a great lifeline for me in seminary, and he wrote these words. Grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Gratitude follows grace like thunder follows lightning. Because he's German, he, he, he didn't say follows, he just said thunder lightning. Right? But how cool is that? When you think about gratitude and grace, grace and gratitude, just boom, boom. Lightning and thunder, boom, boom. You see, God wants us to be grateful because it's good and right and a joyful thing to always give our thanks and praise. And it's good for us. It's good for us. It changes our life. Robert Emmons, uh, one of the world's leading researchers on gratitude, uh, he writes this. He says, gratitude drives out toxic emotions of resentment and anger and envy and may be associated with better long-term emotional and physical health, uh, particularly in transplant recipients. They've noticed this. Those that are grateful do better. Uh, and in other studies, people who were grateful, they slept better, uh, were less depressed, less tired. Uh, they were more self-aware, more confident, and had lower risk of inflammation. How about that? Would you like to get off some ibuprofen? Write a thank you note. Right? Well, seriously. Gratitude, he's, he says, may even lower the risk of heart disease, promoting regular heart rhythms, rebalancing hormones, reducing stress, increasing relaxation, and promoting resistance to common illnesses. Have you ever noticed in your life when you get really mad at somebody or you're holding a grudge that you're sick like three days later? You've just really worked yourself into a sickness. Happens all the time. You see, Jesus came, why? That you might have life and have it how? Abundantly. So let's look at God's heart. Who is God? God so loved the world that he what? Gave. That's who God is. Generous in every way. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. That's who God is. So these gifts of Jesus are not obligations to be repaid but are gifts to be what? Enjoyed. So when you receive a gift, share it and joy. Throw a party. Have a good time. That's what Jesus did. That's what the Jewish people did. They had all these feasts and festivals of giving thanks where everybody was invited. Right? So in case we miss this in Jesus' life, I want, I want to remind us who God is. And in Mark 6, um, you have the story of the 5,000. They sit down in, in groups, and they all ate and were filled by these two little fish and some bread. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who had eaten the loaves numbered how many? 5,000 men. I mean, it could have been 10,000 people if you count the wives and children. And immediately he made his disciples get in the boat and go on to the other side to Bethsaida. And while he dismissed the crowd. And after saying farewell to them, he went up to the mountain to pray. That's the end of the story. Do you find anything interesting about this? Or if you, I mean, I've been to church dinners. And I've heard the conversations after we fed about 1,000 people. Jesus, most of the time, we don't just dismiss people and then go pray. We say, wow, that was a lot of people. Right? We have sort of a debrief over the, over the moment. Not so with Jesus. He says, bye-bye, and he goes and prays. So when Jesus fed 5,000 men, notice that he did not bill them. They didn't get a statement a month later on their visa and say, oh, by the way, that fish sandwich, eight ninety nine. No. Generous, ready to share. God bless you. Go on. That's how he did it. So how do we as thankful people live in a society of ingrates? How do we do that? Because research also says that the society as a whole, at least in America, is becoming less and less grateful, more and more polarized, less and less willing to help. So if, if you think that I'm tone deaf about this deal and you think, yeah, but I'll be the only one being grateful at the next HOA meeting, right? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that throw your mind? Like everybody else is griping about how terrible your neighborhood is. And you're like, I love it. The people are great. And most of you edge your lawns. It's beautiful, right? 
I mean, just think, if you were actually the one person of thankfulness at your next HOA meeting, wouldn't that be different? Yeah. But see, here's the thing. Gratitude cannot be forced or faked. So, I want to invite you to do this. Write a note to God thanking the Lord for the deep ability to embrace the gift of who you are. Who you really are. Nothing more than that, nothing less than that. To say, God, thank you for making me as I am. You, you know me. You created me. You put me together. Thank you. Psalm 139 puts it this way. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Read it with me. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. And if you're wondering what in the world you might be able to do with this sermon in your own personal life, um, I want to show you a a quick little video to close uh, that I think shows very well how one man simply received the gifts that God had given him, and then he shared, and it changed the world. For many people flooded out of their homes in and around Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, the most welcoming port in the storm has been a total stranger. I said, come stay with me. Come stay at my house until you can go back to yours. It's not really a house, though. It's a big 70-room house. It really (laughs) is. At least that's how it's been lately. Jarrett Hux owns the Midtown Inn and Cottages, and throughout the flood, he has been open for business. Jarrett Hux, nice to meet you. Or more like open for charity. We'll take care of him. To date, Jarrett has given away more than 1,000 free nights to this community's poorest, and most vulnerable evacuees. I don't know what we would have done, to be honest with you. I don't know where we would be right now. There's so many other ways you want to say thank you. There's no words to describe what it means to our family. And Jarrett has taken in every member of these families. No pet policy be damned. The Midtown has welcomed dogs, a tortoise, even a rescued baby squirrel named Mr. Squeakers. Love thy neighbor, right? That's what you're supposed to do. I've read that somewhere. Yeah, I've read it somewhere, too. My mama taught me that a long time ago. All right, you're in. You need a room key, don't you? So far, Jarrett has given away about $50,000 worth of goods and services. But even more important is the generosity he has inspired in others. People started running to me right away. How can I help? What can I do? They brought diapers, ice, and plenty of food. Anyone staying at the Midtown now gets three square meals a day. In fact, from the new shoes on their feet to the hairs on their head, we did not see a single need go unmet here. You're being such a good boy. Especially for the children, who now play wonderfully oblivious to the suffering that surrounds them. In an attempt to return the favor, some of the parents have been pitching in with housekeeping and other chores. Jarrett appreciates the effort. But he says the best repayment has been the crayon on paper thank yous and the just knowing with absolute certainty that he has made his mama proud. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And the people of God say, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you continue to bring your heaven to earth, that you care for all your children, and that we are a part of something so big, so huge, so beautiful and wonderful that we cannot even fathom it or bring it in. And so all we can do is say thank you and pray the prayer that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.